Hello, everybody. My name is Rob O'Sell, filling in for Tracy Lee for another episode in our series about engineering leadership. Today, I'm here with Kathy Keating, the co-founder of CTO Levels and CTO advisor and executive coach for Kathy Keating Consulting. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to that be here. That was a lot of consonants. I'm doing my best. <laughs> uh, but uh, for those, for the people that uh, don't know about you, can you kind of explain your your journey? You've had a lot of amazing experiences, especially at the CTO level. Can you kind of get people filled in on kind of uh, how you arrive at this point? Yeah, I've been a technologist for a very long time, and um, I've been blessed to be able to work for a lot of companies that went through rapid growth um, while I was with the company. So I came in early, went through their rapid growth. And so I really learned a lot about what it takes to grow a company really effectively. Um, I've been in technology leadership for more than half of my career, um, all sorts of different roles. I've led product engineering, research, design, data, all, all the different parts of technology. And I founded several times as well, including having an exit in 2021 with my second company. Uh, so I've seen a lot in technology, um, been a CTO multiple times. And now I spend more of my time helping the next generation of CTOs and engineering leaders understand how to be effective uh, based on my background. And so that's where the advisory and the coaching uh, role I've moved into now in my career. Now it's gonna become relevant to this conversation as people will see pretty quickly, but so I thought we would get it all the way up here at the front. Some of you may think this is an obvious question, but Kathy, can you kind of let people know in your opinion, what is a CTO's role in a company? I know it's not quite that simple, but like, when, we, when we're talking about this role, how should people understand what this role should mean for their company or for the companies that they're familiar with? Yeah, I mean, the CTO's role is to deliver the technology um, for the organization that meets the company's business needs, right? So the company has a vision and a mission they want to deliver on. And our job as a technologist is to deliver that technology as safely and securely and as quickly as we can for the business. So we think about things like speed, um, how quickly are we delivering? We think about shielding the organization for threats so that it's a reliable product and, um, and ensuring like what our customers um, want that we're actually delivering. And so I think of the CTO role as partially a sales role. Uh, we are enabler for the organization to help um, those customers get the value that they want from our products. Yeah, that's great. So then what does this next generation of CTOs need? What what are you hoping to impart with them to make the next generation of CTOs, you know, even more successful than this current generation? Yeah, well, I feel that there is a lot of misunderstanding of what the CTO's responsibilities are within an organization. I think there's misunderstanding by the people actually in the role. Uh, what is my job as a CTO? And also by other parts of the organization, um, the other business leaders within the organizations, what they should expect from the CTO and, and, and holding them accountable for. And so uh, if we come into these, these roles without a really clear understanding of what our role is within this um, or what we're supposed to be delivering within this role, um, we're not going to be in alignment with what the business needs from us. You know, just before we went live, you were sharing with me a statistic, and I was wondering if you would share it with everybody because it it honestly kind of knocked me back a little bit that that the CTO position is actually one that can be quite difficult to get this fit for some of the reasons that you said, like 
when these challenges rear their head, it can be quite bad. Do you mind sharing kind of what this statistic is? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, the stat comes from um, some calculations that I did off of a report by Zipia, a 2023 report. Um, about 50% of CTOs have a ten tenure of less than two years. And on top of that, there's about one year of distrust between the CEO and the CTO before that termination happens. And so when we think about that stat and we back up into like, how much time do we really have when we enter a new role to build trust within an organization, there's very little time. We have about a year to um, really solidify ourselves as that CTO so that we don't become one of these statistics. And the more that there is mismatch of expectations and mismatch of understanding of what we think our role is versus what it actually, the expectations of us are, the more mismatches we have, the more likely we are to become one of those statistics. I'm kind of curious how that statistic hit you when you did the math and you, you saw what the figure was, because, you know, as an engineer, as a technologist, I'm looking at a CTO role and thinking that has so much effect on my day-to-day -day life, on our strategy, on our product, on our sales and our customers, as you said earlier. And the idea that that is shifting every couple of years potentially is is actually, it, I don't know, for me, it was, it's, it's a little scary almost. I don't know, how did, how, how did it, how did it hit at you? What, what did you feel when you I mean, saw that? I mean, I've been a CTO technology leader for a very long time. I've seen a lot of great situations. I've seen a lot of really messy situations. Uh, the, the role of leadership in a company is very complex. There's so many dynamics that are at play, right? So I was not surprised at the statistic because what I hear often from uh, business, uh, non-technical business C-suites is, is they, they think of the C, they don't understand the technology role. They don't understand how we do our job, right? Um, you can learn finance, it's tough. You can learn marketing. Um, it's, it's much harder to learn technology and to do technology well. And so a lot of business owners, they don't understand um, what we're doing, and yet they know what they need from us. They need us to be the partner that delivers the business value consistently and reliably. And when they don't get that, the distrust breeds, right? And because they don't understand and they can't just step in and support, the, the angst happens, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where we get to that distrust where, um, you know, we're, we're working at cross purposes because the business isn't getting what they need and the technologist isn't, technology leader isn't delivering it. And, and we need to come into better alignment. And that's why when I think about my personal mission of leaving that next generation of technology leaders stronger and more effective, I think it's, you know, it's about building that bridge, which, you know, I didn't have anyone teaching me to do the CTO job. I mean, I had to figure it out through all of my failures and learnings. You know, what if someone could help you um, better understand that so that you, you could move faster through those challenges? Yeah, there really isn't enough uh, training and materials for people that are looking to get into these these roles, which is pretty surprising for how many people have held the position. <laughs> you know, I, I love the way that you've specified this about the relationship and the and the trust and the angst that builds up because it didn't occur to me uh, until now that, you know, sometimes I'm I'm not really a car person, but like there's a difference between somebody that uh, a mechanic that treats my car that I trust 
and one that I just feel like I can't trust, that I don't feel is giving me a good deal. And it's it's seldom the case that I can evaluate the quality of what they're doing to my vehicle. Uh, but there's just something about the relationship building that they do, the way that they uh, communicate what needs to be done and that, that can build that confidence. Um, and so I, you know, I, I wonder if, if that's part of it that CTOs struggle with is just that ability to make that connection uh, with their fellow leaders in the organization to kind of create that trust in the absence of an ability for people to assess exactly what's coming out of the technology organization. Yeah, many times, um, you know, the CTO leaders, the, when we get promoted into a technology leader role, it was because we were a great technologist, right? And, and yet we don't really have enough appreciation for the fact that the role is a, a career shift. Moving into leadership is a career shift. It's, it's all new skills that we need to build. Yes, we're anchored in our understanding of technology, but being a leader is, is, lead, is leadership skills like influence, um, negotiation. Uh, the decisions we're making as a leader are often gray. They're often in, you know, uh, not really clear what the decision needs to be versus as a technologist, there's right and wrong answers. It's very much logical and analytical. And so we don't have enough appreciation or awareness, I think, as we step into leadership roles that our role is shifting and we, we're really starting from scratch, building new relationship building skills. And we need to bring those to our leadership. And we that's where I see a lot of failure points in leaders as they step into those roles, uh, they, they're not doing a, a great job of, of facilitation and negotiation uh, with their peers. But you don't seem to be suggesting that these, that means that technologists make poor CTOs, that, no. that you believe that this is a, a thing that can be learned. So I guess my question is, as you're coaching people and working with them for this, this next generation of leaders, what are some of the things that you're doing to help them make this transition to this space, this change in paradigm? Yeah, it's definitely something we can learn. You know, I'm a big fan of continuous learning. I learn, if I haven't learned something every day, like it's not been a great day, right? So um, I believe we should be continually learning and evolving. We never get to perfect knowledge, right? And But I do see that sometimes in technologists right around the staff level. They're like, I've mastered it. I can breathe now, right? And, and I'm like, yeah, well, that's fine if you want to be a staff engineer for the rest of your life. But like, what's next, right? Right? Do you want to, you know, become an architect or which and a CTO, or do you want to be a VP of engineering and move more toward leadership? Um, and but but yet I see a lot of those leaders bringing the skills that they had as a technologist and trying to deliver them as a leader. And so a good example would be. Um, how you communicate, right? When we communicate downward to our engineering team, they want to see the details. They want it very black and white. They want, um, you know, as much information as they can get. But as a leader then has to communicate outward to their peers and upwards, that communication needs to shift. We need to be talking about, you know, outcomes, um, you know, goals. We need to summarize things. The TLDR is really important as we're talking to our peers and the details are not so important, right? And so, but I see a lot of technology leaders bringing that highly detailed, complex um, conversations to their CEO and the CEO is just like, wait a minute, like, just give me the TLDR. Like I need the, I, you know, what do you need? 
What are you not getting and how can I help you? And, and that's a big shift for leaders is to understand, okay, now I need to embrace a different way of communicating that works better for my peers. And so probably almost every technology leader that I coach, I have to help them figure out how to make this shift. So, so, so again, a learned skill, right? They need to learn how to communicate differently because their role is now different and who they're communicating to is different. And so again, just building those new skills and new habits. Well, great. We're going to dive right back into this conversation, but first let's take a moment to acknowledge today's sponsor, this.labs. This.labs is a development consultancy that is trusted by top industry companies, including Stripe, Zero, Wikimedia, DocuSign, and Twilio. This dot takes a hands-on approach by providing tailored development strategies to help you approach your most pressing challenges with clarity and confidence. Whether it's bridging the gap between business and technology or modernizing legacy systems, you'll find a breadth of experience and knowledge you need. Check out how this.labs can empower your tech journey at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. And of course, thank you to my team for allowing me to be able to have these conversations. With that, let's get back to the show. So Kathy, just before we did that, you were talking about um, helping people learn that they, you know, a new skill, as you said, it was a, a new habit. And I think that's what's tricky. I, I know from people, from experience even, and from people I've talked to that it's hard. You've communicated away perhaps successfully for many, many, many years. Um, and being asked to do something different can be very jarring, lose confidence or just completely lose track of what you're trying to do or get frustrated. So like, how, how do you go about helping people practice something that just seems to run against their grain, at least currently against their grain? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's somewhat even more challenging in this, you have to communicate the same way downwards as you always have, but upwards differently. So now you have two different ways of communicating yeah, that's instead true. of just one. So it's like more complex. So the, the way I typically um, help people is I, I help bring, uh, bring them playbooks, right? So there are other people that have understood how to communicate effectively in the past, there's probably a hundred ways which work within um, C-suites, right? But you just want to put one of those playbooks into place and then you want to slowly refine, hey, that's working with my CEO. I'm going to continue to do that, right? But marketing needs it a little differently. And so here's how I'm going to communicate to marketing. And over time, you build your own playbooks based on you know, best practices other people bring to the table. And like I bring in my coaching calls with people is like, hey, put this playbook into action and then slowly refine it to what works for you, right? So that helps you build that habit. The more you do the same thing the same way over and over again, the more you're strengthening and building that habit. Eventually it will become natural for you to just say, okay, I'm talking to a CEO. So here's how I need to communicate you know, here's our goals, here's the outcome I need. You know, I, I'm a big fan of red, yellow, green as an indicator of whether something's on track, off track or blocked. And so like I can sit down now these days, I've been doing this for a very long time and within minutes put together a whole new dashboard for how to talk to my C CEO. And, um, and, I, and it, but, it, but when you're learning that, it can take you hours to get to that point because it's not a habit. It's you haven't mastered it yet. So the more you can get support from your peers, other CTOs who have been successful, the more you'll be able to implement those playbooks faster. I do love that idea of the playbooks because I, I do think that sometimes um, people with a lot of experience might feel that this 
takes away from their creativity or it maybe it um, somehow may, means they're not good enough that they need these these helpers but I've often found in similar situations that it sets you free a little bit like mm. especially when you're trying to learn something new it can be very difficult to be post-processing everything you're doing and saying with all of your mantras like remember don't go too low level remember do this remember do this and people pick up on that stilted communication style the lack of confidence and i love that idea of relying on playbooks to kind of build up that confidence until everything is automatic again well when you play soccer you don't go out and just play soccer you read a manual, you understand it, you watch some videos, you, you join a team so you have a coach, right? And so we do this in all other parts of our lives where we seek information, seek the people that know how to do this the best or most effectively, and we integrate that into our lives and then we practice it, right? So just like any sport, we wanna do the same thing within our work in that, who out there is doing this well? How can I learn from them? And how can I put that into action? And then how can I make it my own, right? Because we want it to be natural and authentic. So we make it our own, right? So one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize until they get into the higher levels of leadership is sometimes how lonely it is. Um, mm -hmm. You're so used to coming from if you're a technologist, you have so many peers and the higher up you get, the, the, the thinner the air gets a little bit. So what do, what do CTOs and other leaders get wrong about, about that element of it, about reaching out and community building? Like what should people be doing to kind of help as they're trying to build these new habits uh, when it comes to like reinforcing that, as you were sort of saying a little bit ago with, with other CTOs or peers in their network? Yeah. So um, one thing I talk about a lot is how the CEO has a lot, has a big support system around them. They have a whole board, they have advisors, um, they have networks of other CEOs, right, that they pull on to understand uh, how to CT CEO a company. But what I see a lot of CTOs doing is um, they are the only within their organization. They don't have an advisor. They don't have a coach. Uh, they try to go at it on their own. And a lot of what they're learning, they're learning from their team. Right. So they're learning from people who aren't at the same skill level that they are. Right. And so. They don't have the same perspectives of deep experience of what it means to be a CTO, right? So I do believe that every CTO should surround themselves with other CTOs. And I also believe they should make sure that um, that peer community that they're in of other CTOs have CTOs who are above them, like who have more experienced than them, right? So we wanna be pulled forward in our skill set and continually be challenged with new ways of thinking. And so if a CTO is not injecting themselves into a CTO community of some sort, it could be an online membership community, there's some free CTO um, communities, um, there are local CTO meetups in most major cities, and, or just find three or four friends who are also CTOs and have dinner once a month um, and talk about CTOing. So surround ourselves by those people who can really pull us forward and, and challenge our thinking um, with their experience, right? I don't want to, I, I mean, I learn a lot from my team, but I can't learn how to CTO from my team. Right? Yeah, you need, you need those kind of conversations, even if they're not like, oh, 
do this because I did that. But sometimes even just having to explain the problems, that's where you yes. get that sort of systems thinking. We're in the in the process of trying to explain what's going on and coming up with advice for each other. You're like, oh, that's a really good way of saying that. Go yeah, that. our jobs are so complex, like hundreds and hundreds of decisions we're making every week that we've never made before, right? Challenges we're faced with, and we can either be highly re reactive and overwhelmed, or we can say, I'm going to proactively go out and ask my network, you know, how did, how did they handle it? There's got to be another CTO out there that has handled this situation before. And I, I mean, I pull on my CTO network constantly to help me um, accelerate my learning in an area. As I said, in all my experiences from seeing these networks, it, it, it can get quite lonely in that C-suite, mm. you wouldn't think it. And so, yeah, these networks are some of the most helpful, friendly ones I've ever seen. Just everyone's so, just so happy to be talking to other people solving the same problems. As yes, well. so, definitely. Um, we talked about then kind of what uh, some of the challenges that CTOs are taking with them as they become CTOs for the first time. But there's this other component, which is, you mentioned, you know, what people expect of CTOs is a little bit out of alignment and kind of needs to be corrected in this next generation of companies. So what are some of the things that people are just not understanding or get wrong when they think about their CTOs? Well, I think that we often hire as business owners, um, we often hire the CTO to just go do the tech. Like I just need someone who can, you know, do the tech whatever do the tech means, right? And um, they think about them as like a pluggable component, like I'm just like a Lego piece. I'm gonna get the tech guy and I'm gonna plug him into the, to the system, right? Uh, and, but in reality, it's much more of a matchmaking process that we need to think about. The CTO role changes really radically as a company gets larger. Um, so, you know, early stage CTOs are building a foundation, um, mid-stage CTOs are really sprinting to get to product market fit and, and optimize the process. And, and more enterprise CTOs are really focused outward on the industry and partnerships, right? So those profiles are very different, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But yet as we hire, when we need a CTO, we say, oh, you know, who, who knows a CTO I can hire? And, and we, we just plug the person that someone knows in without properly vetting that they understand the stage of company we're at, have played at that stage before, and effectively delivered at that stage before. And so if you're, let's say, um, a level six at, at CTO levels, we have level zero through, through 10. Uh, but if you're a level six CTO, uh, we want to make sure that a company is hiring a level six, seven CTO so that CTO is ready to pull them forward into growth rather than them being a level six company and randomly getting a level three CTO. Now that CTO is anchoring or pulling the company back, you know, and so we want to make sure the CTO is matched properly so that the CTO is continuing to pull the organization forward. I like that. I, I mean, I like that a lot. I mean, it really speaks to this idea that, uh, yeah, I mean, we, engineering has this as well. Some companies are like, oh, we just need developers. We just need programmers. And then if, over time, they learn many different sort of disciplines, many different profiles of developers and things like that. And so I think, you know, it goes like that. So you were talking about these levels. Can you maybe expound on it even just a little bit more about how, you know, just for, for anybody that might be listening that's in that CEO category or another person that's looking to hire a CTO, how should they 
how can they use this tool to understand maybe these needs that they intuitively understand, but and, and they would feel after a year when that when that angst sort of grows, but they don't have the verbiage to put into a job description or you know a recruiter when they're trying to find somebody. Yeah, so um, with CTO levels, we've mapped out what we think are all the different skills that a CTO needs to bring to the table. Um, so it, it's um, across a series of uh, uh, focus areas, speed, sales, stretch, and um, shield. And we've mapped them all out, what we think um, the role is. And then we say, for the level of company, here's your focus area, right? So like when I mentioned um, the startup CTO is really focusing downward on building a strong foundation, they're focusing on things like code, proof of concepts, um, deployment, automated testing, uh, those, those foundational building blocks that build a strong technology architecture, right? Um, now, it's not to say that they're not focused on partnerships. It's just that's not a primary focus of them, right? And yeah. so while, while the role is all the blocks, it's just not your focus at that time, right? So maybe a startup CTO actually partners with an advisor uh, to fill those needs where those skills aren't present in the startup CTO. And then, of course, as you move up, you know, to that mid-level, you're, you're doing things that are process focused. So thinking about product, thinking about compliance, thinking about um, career ladders, promotions, right? Um, diversity, um, psychological safety within your organization. If your company goes from, your team goes from 20 to 100, you wanna sure that you're retain, retaining your staff, right? So the role has shifted and these are skills that actually the startup CTO has never probably built, right? Um, so again, new skills um, that you can bring to the table. And then as a CEO decides that, let's say they're level six, they can look at the grid and say, okay, I see all the blocks up to level six. That's what I need in my job description for my CTO to be able to fulfill on this mission. And we have partnered with several companies, CEOs to actually help them vet that the CTO actually matches the skill level of the organization because we have the skills to be able to vet them at that level. Um, so I think the, the framework can be built, used by CTOs to understand their role can be used by business C-suites to understand what to expect from them. And it can also be used as a model to help with recruiting, hiring, and um, performance evaluations as well. Like I, you know, level six needs to, to deliver on X, you know, what are you doing in level X? And we have a deep assessment that can help you understand where you and your team are um, for each of those blocks. I'm curious to what extent th these levels are primarily hinged to experience um, and to what extent they are stylistic or preferential. Like I, I, you know, maybe I have experience at many different stages, but I just, I really love being a stage, a level two CTO. I, I love that being really ingrained in everything. Like to, to, how should people, CTOs understand what these levels mean for them? Is it, is it just something that they need to be cognizant of so they can communicate their skill set and they can move up and down it as they get experiences at different sizes and stages of company? Or is this something that they should be looking inward and saying, who am I? What, what kind of company do I enjoy working for? Yeah, so um, you're, you're exactly right. Like, let's say you love that startup phase. Um, you might move up 
your, as your company grows and eventually you tap out and you say, okay, I'm ready to go back to a startup, you need a, you need a sprint CTO, right? So then you help them hire the next CTO and then you go back to startup. But each time you do that, you're strengthening your skills, right? And that makes you a better startup CTO because you have some of the sprint skills, right? You've built some of those. And so now you're stronger and more effective. You can pull, again, you're pulling the company forward because your skills are stronger at those higher levels, right? Yeah. You're more easily adaptable when one of those situations comes up. Big one I see is compliance. Um, most uh, first-time startup CTOs have never been through a compliance um, program, uh, built a compliance program, but the second or third time you do it, you have, right? Mm -hmm. So now some now like when you come in, you're, you, you're at a startup and they say, oh, enterprise company wants us to have a compliance program, you're like, great, I know how to do that, right? So mm -hmm. see, you're pulling the company forward because your skills have been strengthened at those higher levels. But if your preference is to stay at those lower levels, great. It'll just become easier and easier for you to deliver on that, that startup CTO role, right? Like we said, the CTO role is all the blocks. It's just which ones are you pulling and leveraging um, most in the roles and, and pick the ones that you love. I think that's a great message to end on. So as we wrap up here, Kevin, can you let people know where they can find you if they are interested in hearing more about what you have to think, uh, what you have to say, or, you know, want to connect with you on some of the things that we talked about today? Yeah, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn, um, Kathy Keating, and, uh, or my website, kathkeating.com. And um, would love to chat with anyone that wants to learn more. Well, wonderful. Well, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you, of course, to Kathy for being our guest here today. Thank you to each of you for listening. We hope to see you next time. As we close out, we would like to thank again our sponsor, This.Labs, would like to, me to remind you that they are trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile. This.Labs helps bridge the gap from business requirements to tech implementation. Whether you're modernizing legacy systems, ensuring sustainable application architecture, or seeking expert guidance, This.Labs has the experience to help. Discover more at this.co. One more time, that's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. Thanks, Kathy. See you all, love. You're welcome. Goodbye.